to my Democratic friends. You're going around calling all of us every name you can think of. Well, not every We're name. We're a bunch of wackos. True. Your idea is wacko, not ours. Mm. Let's vote. Okay. Let's vote. I'm in. Let's vote. I'm good to go. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. Not yet. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me and everyone. And me too, sometimes. Thank you. Thank you for jumping in, Desi Doyen, uh, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. On Tuesday, voters in New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Delaware held the Final multi-state primary election day of the 2022 midterm season with contests uh, to select candidates for governor, U.S. Senate, U.S. House, among others. It was the final primary day of the season, leaving winners of Tuesday's races just eight weeks now. You heard me. Eight weeks uh, to win over voters ahead of the critical November 8 general midterm elections. November 8. Let's say that one more time. November 8. Eight weeks away is what I'm going to say one more time. Delaware's primary featured just one contested statewide race. That's the Democratic primary for auditor, which may be somewhat uh, comforting in that of the three states holding elections on Tuesday, Delaware is hands down the worst when it comes to the voting systems that they force voters to use at the polls. In fact, these three states actually give us sort of a a nice side-by-side comparison. But Delaware is right up there with the worst in the nation for voters. It may be the worst in the nation because not only is every voter in the state forced to vote on a 100% unverifiable touchscreen computer ballot marking device at the polling place, 
which may or may not print out the voters' ballots as per their intent. In fact, there is no way to know one way or another after an election if the computer did so, since most voters don't bother to check their computer printout to make sure that it did, that it printed correctly. And as studies have shown, even when it does not print their uh, vote correctly, the vast majority of voters do not notice that the computer has flipped one or more of their votes before the voters then take the computer marked ballots, walk over to another computer, an optical scan computer system, and put it through that machine in order to be tallied. But in Delaware, it's even worse than that. Yes, they force all the voters to vote on a system like that, but actually they found one that is even worse than that. What I just explained to you is how the ballot marking device BMD systems made, for example, by Dominion Voting Systems uh, enforced on all the voters across the critical battleground state of Georgia. That's how those systems work or don't. In Delaware, voters are forced to do a similar thing, but worse. In Delaware, across all three of its counties, they only have three counties, it's a small state, but they use something called a hybrid BMD system made by the nation's largest private voting system vendor named ESNS. Voters at the polling place in Delaware must use the ESNS Express Vote XL system. Now, that is a hybrid, so-called hybrid system, in that the touchscreen computer marking system is also combined in the very same machine with a computer optical scan system, another computer within the same machine. On those machines, the voters use a touchscreen to vote, just like on the other BMDs. The computer prints out the ballot. In theory, the voter can then try and verify that the computer marked their ballots as they wished before then hitting another button to approve and cast the, cast the ballot on the very same system. At that point... On these machines, these hybrid machines, the machine then sucks, emphasis on sucks, sucks up uh, the computer marked ballot back into itself past the very same printer heads that printed that ballot, that marked that ballot in the first place. And then it scans the ballot to record the voters' votes. Now, do you see the problem with that? Because apparently Delaware uh, didn't and ESNS didn't when they invented this stupid system. But do you see the problem with that, Desi Doyen? Well, it seems to me to be a bad idea to have it pass back under the printer heads where you could print more stuff on there it, but you you'd go. never know because it's already back down into the computer and you'll never see it and again. And you have already approved it as being correct. So but it could add stuff. And you would presumably Correct. have approved, but not those. And you would never know. You right. would never know. Voting system and cybersecurity experts call this system absolutely insane because, yes, it would allow the computer to mark or change the ballot after the voter thinks that they have approved it when it goes back through the same printer heads that printed it out in the first place. Uh, if it printed it in one direction, it can obviously print it again when it goes back through back into the machine. So hopefully you see how insane that is and how this is a system that should never be used in an American election. And yet it is used across the entire state of Delaware, not just for disabled voters who might need help voting, but for every voter at the polling place. But wait, it's even worse. 
unless they've turned off uh, the option on these machines in Delaware, and, and I don't know either way, but the ESNS ExpressVote XL also includes a feature that voting system expert Andrew Appel of Princeton University has described as the permission to cheat feature, where voters actually tell the computer that it may go ahead and mismark their ballot if the computer wants to. How does this happen? Well, these machines have a feature that after you, after the voter has completed choosing his or her selections on the touchscreen, the computer actually asks the voter if they would like to see the printout before sending it to the scanner to be tabulated. If the voter tells the computer, no, no, I'm cool, I'm done, I don't need to review the printout, well, you have just told the computer that you are not going to check this ballot for accuracy. At that point, the computer can vote for anyone or anything that the computer has been programmed to, that the computer wants to or doesn't want to. It's a fantastic way to steal an election on these systems. Frankly, it's insane that we force these type of BMD voting systems on any voters in any state, much less these hybrid uh, versions which make it really easy for a bad guy to introduce malware to the system in a way that would never, ever be spotted, at least by any voter. So, good luck, Delawareans. Is that what we call them? Do you, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't know. know. If, I don't know what I've we call them. I've never heard anyone say yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, anyway, that's what I'm going to call them. Good luck, Delawareans. Uh, whatever the results are uh, reported to be in this year's primary and general elections, in Delaware will pretty much be 100% unverifiable. Now, I'm happy to say it's a small state, unlike, say, Georgia or Louisiana, where they force all voters to vote in a similarly unverifiable way, though not with these hybrid systems, just with regular BMD systems, which are bad enough. Also, in parts of Pennsylvania, Texas, Ohio... Even here across the entire, the largest voting jurisdiction in the country, right here in Los Angeles, we use these uh, ridiculous BMD systems. Of the three states who voted on Tuesday, Delaware, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire, the odds for voters uh, are, are likely best in New Hampshire, while uh, both Rhode Island and New Hampshire do allow voters to vote on hand-marked paper ballots at the polling place. Uh, in about 40% of New Hampshire towns, uh, those hand-marked ballots are actually counted in person, in public, in front of everyone, by wow. actual human beings at the polling place, if you can imagine such a thing. I was told by secretaries of state that that is impossible. You can't have people yeah. counting. That's yeah. awful. Yeah. Somehow they do, and they have for years in New Hampshire. Now, it's about 40% of the towns. It's not 40% of the population. It's only, I think, about 10 or 20% of the population. But yes, counting in public by hand in front of everyone is absolutely the gold standard for democracy. Handmarked paper ballots, hand counted on election night at the precinct in public. And that's at least what uh, some of the voters in New Hampshire uh, get. So uh, good for them. Meanwhile, Rhode Island also offers handmarked paper ballots to all voters uh, at the polling place. But to my knowledge, they tally them only with computer optical scanners and uh, well, they had a problem recently with the computer ballot marking devices 
in Rhode Island that they now make available for voters with disabilities who may choose to use an assistive device to cast their vote. Under the Help America Vote Act, or HAVA, disabled voters must be offered such an option if they need one uh, at the polling place in all 50 states in order to cast their ballots uh, privately and independently. In Rhode Island, the accessible voting options for voters is the ESNS Express Vote, not the same, not the hybrid Express Vote XL, <laughs> like the one that all voters use in Delaware, which both marks and scans the vote. But the one in Rhode Island, uh, on an optional basis uh, for voters who need such a, a device, allows voters to use the touchscreen or an audio system, if they're blind, for example, to have the computer mark their ballot for them, and then the voter deposits it into a scanner elsewhere as opposed to sucking it back in and possibly changing ballots, votes, uh, as it goes through the printer heads again, like Delaware. But even here, the ESNS Express vote uh, ran into a problem during early voting, as reported by Providence, Rhode Island's WPRI late last week. Democratic Providence uh, Mayor Jorge Elorza on Friday called for the accessible express vote machines to be removed from use prior to Tuesday's primary election, prompting a swift response from voting rights advocates who said the machines should actually stay. The express vote machines, which allow a voter to select a candidate on a touchscreen uh, or, or using an accessible remote, have had a myriad of errors on the Spanish version of the ballot during early voting in Rhode Island, a problem that Vendor Election Systems and Software Inc., or ESNS, has attributed to human error. Rhode Island, candidates na uh, Rhode Island candidate names from 2018, somehow, were uploaded for four different races last week during early voting on what is supposed to be the 2022 ballot. It was an error that was discovered by a voter at the polls in Providence. In action after the voting had yeah, already gone live. Correct, wow. yeah. After the error was fixed and the database was changed to reflect the correct candidate names, uh, the new version still ended up misspelling the name of a, a mayoral candidate. Uh, and then the Board of Elections revealed that several headings for various racers were also correct, incorrect. In other words, it was a mess. But the mitigating good news here, not, it's not a huge mess, and not only because Rhode Island is a small state. The issue affected voters in just these four communities, just four communities where they, that require, by law, Voters are to be given to be provided uh, Spanish ballots if they would like to use one. So because Rhode Island, unlike Delaware and Georgia and other states like Louisiana and Pennsylvania and Texas, where a huge number of voters are required required to vote on these 100 percent unverifiable BMDs in Rhode Island, at least they respect voters enough to allow them to use a handmarked paper ballot at the polls if they want instead of these computer god-awful devices. So in general, that means that only the people who would use BMDs uh, because they are likely because they are disabled voters who need or uh, choose to use one. So that is a fairly small group. And then among, so a small state, 
who uh, only voters who choose to use BMDs. And then among those, in this case, only uh, ones who were the only ones who would be affected would be those who chose to use the Spanish language mode on those BMDs, which is only required in four of the state's communities. So So in this particular example of a problem, mm -hmm. it's a very small subset of voters that are affected, but that still sucks for those voters. Yes, it does. It's still it's a a small group. But if you're one of the people in that group, that's a big deal. It is. And it highlights the dangers of using these systems at all in the first place, especially when, you know, like in Delaware and Georgia, you force the entire state to use them. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? So the mayor, Mayor Alorza, said in a letter sent to the Rhode Island Board of Elections and the Secretary of State, quote, given the repeated problems and the fact that other existing machines can handle the volume of voters for September 13, I believe it's prudent to remove the new express vote machines and eliminate the risk of additional errors. The Board of Elections had an emergency meeting. Uh, on Monday to discuss Alorza's request, but appears they stuck with the same lousy, unverifiable machines in this case, but vowed to put in place a plan to make sure it doesn't happen again during the general election in November. The American Civil Liberties Union and Common Cause Rhode Island both called on Mayor Alorza to retract his statement about these systems. The executive director of the Rhode Island ACLU said if Rhode Island removes the express vote from service during the statewide primary, it would be violating the Americans with Disabilities Act. Voters with disabilities have a right to use a machine that can assist them, can assist them voting their ballot. And the express vote is that machine, said the ACLU's Stephen Brown, to which I would add they also have the right to vote for the right candidate on their ballot. Crazy me, I know. Secretary of State Nellie Gorbia's office deferred comments to the Board of Elections, which is in charge of deploying the machines, but she's also running herself for the Democratic nomination for governor. And her gubernatorial campaign separately sent out a statement slamming Alorza for a, quote, political stunt, which is weird. The mayor has endorsed one of Gorbia's rivals in the governor's race, a woman named uh, Helena Folks. Anyway, the Board of Elections voted to implement a protocol for November to ensure the accuracy of the candidate names uploaded to the machine. Left unresolved, however, according to WPIR, um, was the matter of who was actually at fault for not checking the accuracy of the private vendor this time. The Secretary of State's office and Board of Elections sort of blame each other here. But it is unclear in the meantime how many ballots may have been tainted before the problem was discovered. Fifty-five voters used the express vote machine before the issue uh, was discovered. It's unknown how many of them selected the Spanish option on the machine. The Board of Elections uh, said they will count all 55 ballots as cast and pointed out that voters had a chance to review the printout of their candidate choices before submitting the the, uh, final ballot into the scanner. Who knows whether they did or didn't. Remember, some voters use these systems because they are blind. So they have an audio voting system. It's very hard for a blind voter to review a printed, uh, printed out ballot for accuracy. In this case, the machines printed out a ballot with a vote for the candidate in 2022, 
who had the same spot on the ballot as the 2018 candidate whose name had shown up on the Spanish language screen, according to the Board of Elections. So they may or may not have voted for who they actually thought they did. Mayor Alorza, who himself voted on the express vote in English last week, said he personally only reviewed his final choices on the screen, not on the printed version. And there you have it. He said, I thought I had already finished voting. As previously noted, that's what studies find that most voters do. That's why these systems are a problem. Uh, and it's just one more reason why it's a, re- a horrific idea to, to force voters to use these type of machines as they do for all voters in, you know, places like Delaware and Georgia. Well, how nice for that county that that voter went in and beta tested their machinery during uh, exactly. an actual live election yeah. to find that, hey, you got a glitch here. Exactly. Uh, now, we will have, of course, uh, any noteworthy results from Tuesday's final primary elections of the year in Rhode Island, Delaware, New Hampshire on our next broadcast. But as long as I am geeking you out <laughs> with uh, BMD intricacies and nuances and dangers, I, I want to hit one more point that I had hoped to get to on yesterday's show before we sort of got sidetracked with so many listeners calling in, which I am always happy to be sidetracked by. Last week, we spoke on the show with the great Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance, which has had a long-running lawsuit against Georgia and its Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, hoping to get rid of the 100% unverifiable Dominion touchscreen BMDs that all voters at the polls are forced by Secretary Raffensperger to use across the entire state. She would like to move them to hand-marked paper ballots that are actually, you know, verifiable. So she was here on the show again to discuss the newly discovered video footage, which you may have seen, showing Team Trump MAGA people going in and out of the Coffee County, Georgia Board of Elections. Uh, video surveillance camera f- uh, a video footage that caught this and caught these folks who were uh, going into the Board of Elections and opening and accessing and copying and scanning the Dominion Election Management System software, which is very sensitive and it's kept secret. You're not supposed to make copies of it. That is unlawful. They made copies of that and the voting systems themselves and the thumb drives used to program them and ballots that were printed out and everything else after the 2020 election. All the pieces that you would need to make your own model for hacking. Correct. And they were allowed to do so in the in this Republican-leaning uh, rural Coffee County by the local elections director and its board of elections uh, chair and the chair of the local Republican Party. This was all part of Sidney Powell's scheme, the Trump attorney, uh, and the you know the the Trump Kraken team's efforts to access voting systems like this. In a bunch of states, including Georgia and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Nevada, so far as we now know. Now, despite the unlawful breach to these very sensitive systems and the fact that malware could be inserted into them with this kind of access or information could be learned to allow you to steal a future election, like, for example, the 2022 election or the 2024 election, Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, instead of investigating this breach that took place a year and a half ago, he has been 
apparently covering the whole thing up. At least he was until Marilyn Marks discovered enough information in her lawsuit against him to move uh, the, the suit is to move to handmark paper ballots. But she found enough information about all of this that the state really had no option but to begin at least some kind of actual investigation. Now, never mind that the first person subpoenaed in Secretary Raffensperger's investigation into this, his months late investigation, turns out to be Marilyn Marks for some ridiculous reason. But in the meantime, her group uh, asked uh, the federal judge in her lawsuit for a a conference last uh, last week in federal court to deal with a number of issues in that long running case, including the newly gleaned information that Team Trump had breached the systems in Coffee County on January 7 of 2021, the day after the insurrection, and then for many days thereafter, when members of the team, including we learned with this videotape that Maryland got that apparently the Secretary of State couldn't get, we learned that Doug Logan, remember him, the cyber ninjas guy who made such a joke out of this uh, 2020 post-election audit they did in Maricopa County, Arizona. He was there in Coffee County making repeated hours-long visits to the Coffee County Elections Office to look at their software. So anyway... Maryland asked for a status conference uh, last week and with the judge. I read the 85-page transcript uh, of that uh, hearing over the weekend when uh, the plaintiff's attorney, David Cross, just brilliantly answered the judge's question as to why the Coffee County incident actually mattered to their particular case looking to find the Dominion touchscreens unconstitutional, just as they had previously found. uh, They they won a judgment from that same judge that Georgia's previous touchscreen systems made by Diebold were also so insecure and unverifiable that they were unconstitutional. So the judge wanted to know uh, what you know, happened in Coffee County, how that affects this case. The plaintiffs here would like the judge to order hand-marked paper ballots to be made available for voters in the 2022 elections at this point, rather than forcing them to use these BMDs. Uh, and they cite what happened in Coffee in Coffee County as another reason, just another reason why they need to do so. Especially since county systems in Georgia are directly connected to the state. In Georgia, the state in Georgia programs all of the county elections, which are all run on the same systems, the same Dominion BMDs that have now been breached by Team Trump uh, with their sensitive software actually being posted publicly. So plaintiff attorney David Cross finished up his explanation to the judge of why what happened in Coffee County matters to this case and he finished it with this brilliant metaphor explaining why the software breach is so critical and so disturbing in the run-up to the 2022 elections so i'll just read you from the transcript here david cross says let me just say it this way this is how i think about it if we're going on a skydiving trip and we saw a bunch of bad actors unpack our parachutes take them all apart and then repack them and put them back 
And we learned that when we were on an airplane, and if the pilot said to you, it's probably fine, your parachute is probably fine, just go ahead and jump, and we will find out when you're in the air. Well, in that case, said David Cross, no one would jump out of that plane. So uh, he adds, that is where we are. It is not an exaggeration. We have lots of people who are widely considered bad actors because of the lies that they spread about the 2020 election, who had unmitigated access to the election system, not to pieces, not disconnected pieces, but the actual system in practice for the better part of two weeks. And we don't know what all they did, he said, but we do know what they could have done, and it is not satisfactory to tell voters, let's just hope the system works. And we have begun an investigation in the last couple of weeks, so let's hope that that doesn't find that the system doesn't work. That, Your Honor, he said, we don't think is an appropriate way to proceed. And that is why this is so critically important for our claims. Thank you, Your Honor, said David Cross. Brilliant metaphor. Right on the money. Would you jump out of that plane in that case if you knew that bad actors had come in and unpacked and repacked the uh, parachutes? Oh, I'm sure it's probably fine. Let's find out when we jump. Well, that, as of now, is what they are asking Georgia voters to do this November, just eight weeks from now. We know that bad actors have had access to the system, and that system is still being used. Good luck jumping out of the plane. I'm sure everything will be fine. <laughs> along with the governor's election in Georgia, along with the U.S. Senate election in Georgia, along with the Secretary of State's election in Georgia, which Marilyn Marks told us there's a Democrat running, by the way, by the name of B. Wynn, who would like to do away with these machines if she's lucky enough to uh, win the job of Secretary of State eight weeks from now. Something to keep in mind. I know, geeking you out today. You're welcome. Quick break, and oh, what do we? Lindsey Graham uh, may have done a big favor for Democrats uh, <laughs> this year, cause Lindsey Graham just can't shut up. Apparently, that story and more, including Desi Doyne's Green News report, yep. is straight ahead on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by Bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. You talk too much. Which is just fine with me. I hope Lindsey Graham <laughs> never shuts up. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm really not sure what South Carolina's uh, Senator Lindsey Graham thinks he is doing here. But given the outrage from voters from the corrupt U.S. Supreme Court majority's overturning of Roe v. Wade in their Dobbs decision back in June... Uh, frankly, I am just fine with whatever Lindsey Graham thinks he is doing here. Uh, this um, 
On Tuesday, Graham introduced a bill in the U.S. Senate that would have the federal government ban abortion nationwide after 15 weeks of pregnancy, except in limited circumstances. Now, a 15-week abortion ban, that would apply to all 50 states in Lindsey Graham's uh, bill here. Though that 15-week ban would be the ceiling. In other words, states could still ban reproductive rights after fewer weeks than that, or they could ban it entirely if they wished under this bill, uh, as many, if not most, GOP-controlled states have already done. So in other words, this is a ban on abortion in blue states that would not otherwise affect red states at all except to ban the right at 15 weeks if... If that uh, red state happened to have a state constitution that otherwise guarantees reproductive rights or something, the legislation stands no chance of enactment right now with Democrats in control of both chambers of Congress and the White House, nor does it stand any chance of enactment even if Republicans take over the majorities in one or both chambers of Congress this year because there's still a Democrat in the White House who would certainly veto it. And it comes just eight weeks, eight weeks before this year's midterm elections when there is a ton of evidence that already shows that this is not a good issue for Republicans. But as NBC uh, News reports, it offers Republican House and Senate candidates a proposal some so-called conservatives hope will counter a polling surge for Democrats after the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision overturned abortion protections in June. Well, good luck with that, so-called conservatives. By the way, setting aside whether it could be enacted at any time in the near future, remember the Dobbs decision at the Supreme Court was originally a Mississippi case where the state had tried to enact a 15-week ban, just like the one that Graham is now proposing for all 50 states, for some reason. But as the uh, case awaited the high court's ruling in Dobbs, Texas came along with a six-week ban, a six-week ban that the court did not block before they ultimately overturned Roe v. Wade entirely, ending 50 years of constitutional protections of privacy rights and reproductive freedoms in all 50 states. So even if Graham's act here was, quote-unquote, only limited to 15 weeks at first, at least in Democratic states, remember, there would still be zero restrictions on banning the procedure in Republican-controlled states in Graham's bill. But nobody should be naive enough to think that such a bill, if it was ever adopted, would simply stay at a 15-week ban. After Roe v. Wade was overturned, Democrats in Congress have rallied behind pro-choice legislation, which allows abortion right up until the moment of birth. That is a lie said Graham in a statement. I view the Democrat proposal as radical and one that Americans will ultimately reject. So what is Graham doing here? Lying. <laughs> I'm sorry, but aside from the lying, Other yes. than that, yes. well, he's what he's trying to do, he's trying to paint this as a so-called late-term abortion ban, which I guess he believes would be popular somehow. As, well, that's something yeah. that you can get away with with voters that sort of, you know, makes them think, oh, that might be bad. Maybe maybe I'm not sure about that, but it's a lie. Because late-term abortion is not actually a thing. The problem is, you know, most of the corporate media, uh, you know, helps assure that Americans will not understand it or will not pay too close attention 
Because, you know, there's actually a queen in Great Britain to be buried or whatever it is they're going to talk about instead. So Graham's bill is called the Protecting Pain-Capable Unborn Children from Late-Term Abortions Act. It might as well be called the uh, Anti-Abortion Buzzwords Act (laughs) at that rate. In any event, uh, as Jesse Hill of Case Western Reserve University School of Law points out, uh, this is not actually a, quote, late-term abortion ban, so that is uh, that term is a misnomer. Pregnancy lasts about 40 weeks. 15 weeks is a point early in the second trimester. Thomas Klein uh, of Drexel University said he's reinventing the English language with this idea. In the medical world, late term is used to describe the very, very end of pregnancy. Births can stretch from early term at around 37 weeks to late around 41 weeks. He's talking about 15 weeks. The uh, anti-abortion world has successfully hijacked the phrase, writes TPM, to apply to much earlier abortions, implying that the procedure would be done on a virtually fully developed fetus. The gambit goes hand in hand with the anti-abortion tradition of using imagery of very advanced fetuses on their signage and promotional material, even while the vast majority of abortions happen in the first trimester. I mean, third trimester abortions virtually never happen except in medical emergencies or in the case of profound malformation where the infant will die upon birth. Correct. And uh, by the way, the notion of fetal pain is also another popular scam in the anti-abortion world uh, and and in the legislation for which they lobby. The medical consensus, in fact, is that fetuses don't develop the necessary structure to feel pain until the third trimester, which is well past Graham's 15 weeks. In Kansas, voters handily defeated a ballot initiative that would have amended the state constitution to nix abortion protections. The special U.S. House race in Alaska recently was one of a handful of high-profile special elections that Democrats have won in recent months in response to uh, what appears to be in response to the court's Dobbs decision to overturn Roe. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer opened his Tuesday floor remarks with comments on the uh, coming legislation. He said Republicans are twisting themselves into pretzels, asking for nationwide abortion bans when they said they would leave it up to the states. Even the senior senator from South Carolina, said Schumer, uh, had said just a few months ago that if the Supreme Court overturns Roe, it would mean that every, quote, every state will decide if abortion is legal and on what terms. Yet here he is introducing a bill to restrict abortions nationally. And Schumer is correct. Here's Senator Graham just last month making that very point that it should be left up to voters in the states. I've been consistent. I think states should decide the issue of marriage and states should decide the issue of abortion. I have respect for South Carolina. South Carolina voters here I trust to define marriage and to deal with the issue of abortion, uh, not nine people on the court. That's my view. <laughs> so not nine people on the court should decide. It should be left up to the voters in the state of South Carolina, but everywhere else, all 50 states, it'll be up to Lindsey Graham and his Republicans and a national ban. 
Uh, th- that was Graham just over a month ago. Anyway, uh, his uh, bill comes at a time when some Republican candidates are scrambling to erase their own past positions on abortion that had favored all out bans. Uh, Republican operatives have warned the party's candidates that voters see the party as too extreme on abortion in advance of the midterms. But apparently Graham is not listening, which, again, fine by me. Uh, Voters see Republicans as more extreme than Democrats when it comes to abortion. Many polls have found that uh, the the Dobbs decision is wildly unpopular among majorities of Americans. Some Republicans are questioning the wisdom of Graham dropping this bill that could bring attention to divisions within the GOP over this issue. Uh, Meantime, here's Washington State's Democratic Senator Patty Murray responding to Graham's bill today at a Democratic Senate press conference at the Capitol. Today, Republicans introduced a national abortion ban. They are sending a clear message to people in my home state of Washington and across the country. Republicans want to take away your rights. Republicans want to ban abortion in every state, in every community. Republicans want to force you to stay pregnant regardless of what you want, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your medical needs, regardless of what state you are in. Red state, blue state, doesn't matter. Did you just vote against an abortion ban in your state like the people of Kansas? Did you just sign a petition for a referendum vote to protect abortion like hundreds of thousands of people did in Michigan? Do you live in a state like Washington, which has strong protections for the right to abortion? Doesn't matter. This bill would rip away those rights. Now, for weeks, we have seen a lot of empty rhetoric from Republicans about returning this issue to the states, even as they blocked the most basic bills we've tried to pass, like making sure people could travel to other states for care and making sure doctors in states where abortion is legal can't be punished for doing their jobs. But now, after all the posturing and all the obfuscating, here we have it, the true Republican position, in black and white for everyone to see. They want to ban abortion for everyone in every single state. So to anyone who thought they were safe, who thought, I'm in a blue state, I'll be fine, here is the painful reality. Republicans are coming after your rights. I have no idea. What Lindsey Graham could possibly have been thinking with that. But, you know, he's kind of like Senator Rick Scott of Florida. You remember he's the chair of the Republican Senate Campaign Committee. He vowed that Republicans would put Social Security and Medicare up for a vote every five years, along with every other federal bill for every five years. Not sure these folks are thinking things through, which is fine by me. Uh, either that or, I don't know, maybe Lindsey Graham is secretly working for Democrats at this point. <laughs> well, I think that he's trying to change the narrative and fool voters into thinking that, oh, Republicans aren't really all that bad. They are. One more. Uh, speaking of uh, the corrupt Republican Supreme Court here, uh, before we get to Desi's latest Green News report, which you'll recall Lindsey Graham had also said he would never allow a vote for a Supreme Court justice in an election year while blocking President Obama's nomination of of Merrick Garland for a full year back in 2016 and then 
Graham voted to seat Donald Trump's nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, just eight days before the 2020 election. Well, with that in mind, Chief Justice John Roberts defended the authority of the Supreme Court to interpret the Constitution, saying his role should not be called into question just because people disagree with its decisions. But to be frank... The legal critics that I've seen calling the corrupt majority's decisions into question are not because they simply disagree with them, but because they are blatantly, demonstrably wrong on the law based on decades of actual precedent and case law. And because the court now appears to simply be making stuff up, making up new precedents. Anyway, asked to reflect on the last year at the court and his first public appearance since the court overturned Roe v. Wade, Robert said last Friday he was concerned that lately some critics of the court's controversial decisions have questioned the legitimacy of it, which he said was a mistake. Here's some of his remarks on that. The last year was uh, uh, an unusual one and difficult in many respects. Um, it was gut-wrenching uh, every morning to drive into a Supreme Court with barricades around it. Lately, the criticism is phrased in terms of, you know, because of these opinions, it calls into question the legitimacy of the court. Simply because people disagree with an opinion is not a basis for questioning the legitimacy of the court. And again, it's not simply because people simply disagree. It's the corrupt hypocrisy and making things up as you go, creating new rules, new so-called doctrines based on stuff that has never before existed. Robert's remarks and those from President uh, Vice President Kamala Harris on Friday, as she accurately described the corrupt high court majority as an activist court, Well, those comments uh, at least allowed us to then hear from Senator Al Franken, former Senator Al Franken, uh, and offered a reminder, frankly, how much he is missed in the U.S. Senate. CNN's Jim Acosta invited Al Franken on his show over the weekend to debate GOP strategist April Stewart about the legitimacy of the Supreme Court in response to Robert's remarks and the remarks of the vice president. To put it nicely, it did not go well for April Stewart. I disagree with what the chief justice said. The legitimacy of the court was undermined when they wouldn't take up Merrick Garland. And you'll remember that McConnell said it was because it was during election year. And you remember Lindsey Graham pledging that if a vacancy came uh, came open during election year in uh, 20, that he wouldn't vote for, um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't take up a nominee. They've stolen two seats. The one that Merrick Garland uh, wasn't given a hearing for, and the one that Coney Barrett was, uh, where she was seated a week before the election. That destroyed the legitimacy of the court. Alice, what do you think? Did, did Chief Justice Roberts sort of, I mean, he sort of uh, ignored some of what Al is talking about there and that there is I mean, a, 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 a tremendous amount of controversy Look, uh, as to how this court got tilted in the direction of the far right. Just to, to throw a little accuracy in, in some of what, what Al said there. Look, the, the Merrick Garland was held up because we had a divided government. We had a Democrat in the White House and we had Republicans in control of... That's not, of what, the, the, of, that's not of, what McConnell but, said. But, but that's the way historically this has been. When you're in 
close to an election no, year and you no, have divided it, government. Yes, that's not the yes, way it's been yes. historically done. Yes, and when, when you have divided government, there typically is a inclination to... Tell uh, me when this to, happened w before. When you... When <laughs> Tell me when close it happened before. When you're... Well, Merrick Garland uh, is certainly one. When there's a divided government... <laughs> no, before Merrick Garland. They're, they're moving... They're not moving forward when Tell there's a divided government. Tell me when this government. happened before. Uh, Al, I'm telling you, this is what the uh, Mitch Tell me when it said. happened before. I, I, I can't. You said this give is you what happened historically. Tell me when it happened before. Look, this is the way that the Republicans when? Uh, went, went. Like I can't give you an exact example of when this happened no, in the because, past. No, you know but why I can't you can't? You, because it hadn't happened before. Look, the basis for <laughs> not appointing him was because of that specific reason. But no, forward, it wasn't. And, and McConnell's explicitly said that it was the, quote, Biden rule. And he quoted a little piece of a, of a speech that Biden had given in June of 80. And he, Biden said they wouldn't take up if they weren't consulted. And if and this was about someone resigning in June after a term of the court which is very different than someone dying. Scalia died in, in February. And you saw, you guys, if you can find the tape, you can find uh, Lindsey Graham saying, I, I, keep the tape. We will not take up a judge if, if someone dies, a, 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 a nominee, if someone dies in an election year in the next, in the next election. This is total hypocrisy, and you actually, I, I'm surprised that you're claiming this, and you can't come up with an example because there is none. Look, the, to get back to the point of the conversation here. No, Kamala Harris. this is the point. <laughs> A live on-air fact check. Man, do I miss Al Franken. That is the point. The complaints are not because of those of us who believe in, you know, freedom and the Constitution and the constitutional rights that we, oh, we just don't like that particular ruling. It is because the court has been corrupted. And it has been corrupted long before they began undermining things like the 50-year-old settled laws and constitutional rights and freedoms established by a Republican majority court, by the way, in 1973 in Roe v. Wade. So, yeah... Sorry, Judge uh, Justice, uh, Chief Justice Roberts. It's not just because we don't like your opinions. It's because you guys are corrupt. Now let's see if Democrats can fix it somehow. Quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyne in the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Okay, a lot to get to today. <laughs> no time uh, for chit-chat. No time for chit-chat. 
Let's get right to it. Our latest green news report. Flash flooding debris flow causing big problems for firefighters damaging their trucks and stranding drivers. Torrential rains break historic California heat wave, capping a summer of extreme heat. We are playing with fire. All reactors shut down at besieged Ukrainian nuclear plant. Plus... So today I ask my colleagues to stand up for our kids, for our grandchildren, and for future generations. Looming showdown over energy permitting reform in Congress. All of those showdowns and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It's been a brutal week in this town. Oh my God, it's like LA was like Death Valley with In-N-Out burgers. I mean... True. I was here. This is your Green News Report. People in this town are going to their hot yoga class to cool off. I mean, it's... Okay, Desi Doyen, we finally made it through (laughs) the heat wave out here in Los Angeles, out here in California. It was terrible. It was endless. But it's finally ended. Yes, we've had some extreme swings in extreme weather. In Los Angeles, dozens of motorists were rescued after getting trapped by a mudslide, just one of several caused by remnants of Hurricane K in the Pacific, which also helpfully ended the historic heat wave in the state. We had to count on a hurricane to end our heat wave. Dozens of wildfires sparked by the intense heat continue to rage on, however, in the northwest, blanketing the region in hazardous smoke. That record-shattering 12-day heat wave in western states capped a summer of unprecedented extreme heat waves across the entire northern hemisphere. In Europe, summer 2022 was the hottest ever recorded since records began in the 1800s, according to the EU's Climate Monitoring Service. Gosh, I wonder how that happened. A new study warns that the Middle East is warming up twice as fast as the rest of the planet, meaning that 400 million people in the region are likely to face even more intense heat waves, more severe drought, more frequent sandstorms, crop failures, and water shortages in coming decades with profound impacts for the volatile region. Luckily, they've got a lot of oil to sell so they can afford the air conditioning. In other news, with the death of Queen Elizabeth in Britain, Prince Charles is now King Charles III. That has sparked questions about whether he will continue his decades-long advocacy for climate action and conservation in his new role. He actually has been kind of a champion for the climate, right? Since the 1970s. I'm no fan of the monarchy, but I'm a fan of people who are good on climate. But actual policy is set by the UK Parliament. In one of her first official acts, new Conservative Prime Minister Liz Truss ended England's ban on fracking, citing spiking energy costs triggered by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Off with her head. Truss also proposed freezing energy prices for two years and capping the energy bills of millions of households facing 80% price increases. Here in the U.S., a new study warns that rising seas are set to inundate millions of acres of our coastline within the next 30 years. The study by Climate Central combined tidal data with sea level rise projections and U.S. coastal property records to identify those most at risk. Yeah, so it's not just property on the coast. It's actual 
the houses and people who live there. Yes, and the analysis found that nearly 650,000 individual privately owned parcels are projected to fall below changing tidal boundaries by 2050. The biggest impacts will be on the Gulf Coast and Atlantic Coast. Well, they've got a lot of oil to sell there, so I'm sure they can help pay for moving everyone off the coast. In Congress, a big fight is brewing over permitting reform. Democrats are negotiating a bill to speed up the permitting process for various kinds of energy projects, both fossil and renewable, which was the price for getting coal state Senator Joe Manchin's vote for President Biden's climate bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. Late last week, a third of congressional Democrats came out against reported provisions in the bill, which they said would harm low-income and indigenous communities. On the Senate floor, independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont expressed his strong opposition to the side deal. I just ask you to think ahead 10, 15, 20 years. Think about the discussion you'll be having with your kids or your grandchildren when that young person looks you in the eye and says, Dad, Grandma, what did you do to save the planet? Finally, some good-ish news. External power has been restored to Ukraine's besieged Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, and employees have also successfully shut down the plant's last operating reactor. Russia's military actions in Ukraine repeatedly cut reliable external power supplies needed to prevent the reactors from overheating to the point of meltdown. The UN's International Atomic Energy Agency says both actions now significantly reduce the risk of a radiation disaster. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Are you ready for that great atomic power? Thank you very much, our producer, Tessie Doyen. Thanks yep. to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. That is made possible. No paywall at all required. That's made possible by those of you kind enough to stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to be 100% listener-supported over your public airwaves. Drop me an email if you like. Always good to hear from you. I'm Bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. That's it. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Are you ready for that great atomic power? Will you rise and meet your savior in the air? Will you shout it?